Good morning, church. Good morning, church. Thank you. <laughs> Would you all like to stand with me and we'll pray for the service? Heavenly Father, good morning. Welcome to our church. Lord, you are the most amazing and awesome God that we could encounter. And we just worship your holy name, Lord. Lord, we lift up the service this morning. We also lift up the services that are around town in Hamilton and New Zealand and the rest of the world with people that are worshipping you, Lord, with people that love you, with people that honour you. Lord, we just pray for your presence here. Holy Spirit, come. Come to us today. Touch us. Touch those people here who need touching. Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for strength. And we just pray for you. We ask you to pour your grace out on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. How's everyone feeling this morning? Oh, you cray-cray people up in here. Awesome. I'm excited this morning. I love, I love the fact that we can come in here freely, eh? And we live in such a free country. We can come in here and worship our God. We can scream to the top of our voices and dance and have fun and praise Him. Praise God. God is good, eh? All the time. All the time. There we go. Let's get into it. Turn it all around. 
right there You took away my pain You turned my morning into dancing I can smile again Cause I had joy
gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. Nothing's gonna hold me back. You see, nothing's gonna hold me back. Come on, Jack. Nothing's gonna hold me back Nothing's gonna hold me back Nothing's gonna hold me back My chains My chains fell off, my heart was free I'm alive to live for you I'm alive to live for you Amazing love God, creator of the universe, and yet you call us friend. You invite us into your presence, and we can come boldly before you. We thank you for your presence with us right now. I thank you, God, for what you want to do in every person's life here today. I thank you for your incredible love, for your peace in this place right now. We receive everything that you want to give to us. And we give of ourselves. Thank you, God. Amen. Welcome to church. Well, there's a party going on up here. (laughs) Fantastic. Overtired, overtired, maybe. (laughs) That's what I'm hearing. Is that just the adults, kids? Well, it's great to be in church this morning, isn't it? You may be seated. Is there anyone at Activate Church this morning that is here for the first time? We'd love you to give us a wave and give you a gift this morning. Anyone here with us for the first time this morning? Well, can we have a couple of hands over there? 
Awesome church, how about you welcome our, our guest this morning? Awesome, it's great to have you with us. Well, I did see some hands over there. We do have two gorgeous little people, beautiful little people, that are with us for the very first time, been waiting to come along to church. That is Marcus and Milan, here with their mummy and daddy, Mark and Elna. Two gorgeous little twins are here, finally. They've been in the hospital for a number of weeks, but they're here for their first time at church. You know, the first time I went and visited Elna, after they were born, you know, I think one of the first things you said to me was, I can't wait to bring them to church. Well, today's the day. So yeah, we welcome you. Marcus and Milan, beautiful, little twins, exciting, awesome. Well, you can bring them down the front if you want. We're going to celebrate the birthdays and the anniversary, so if you want, you can bring them down, but I know you don't want to wake them up, but yeah, it's good they're sleeping through all the, all the racket. So who's had a birthday this week? Who's had a birthday this week? Come and join me, Katie's had a birthday. Oh, Hunter's birthday. Here's Marcus and Milan. You better take some chocolates, Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, look at all these birthdays. What about wedding anniversaries? Oh, Stanley. Awesome. <laughs> so, have we got any wedding anniversaries here, or is it all birthdays? Okay, church, how about you stand? Let's stand together. Has everyone got their chocolates? Yeah. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and your goodness through each one. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Happy birthday, everyone. Well, Phil Strong's in Hawara this morning, so yes, he is. Kathy's missing him. <laughs> so thank you, God, that you are with him. We declare your anointing upon him. Also, the young adults are in Activate Church Raglan. The young adults have had a camp this weekend. Some of the some of you have been out there and you come back for this morning. Yeah, you had a great time. Awesome. And they're um, in mass there at Activate Raglan. They're taking the service this morning. So isn't that great? So thank you, God, that you're with them right now. We declare anointing to be in that place. And thank you for great reports coming back tonight. They're going to be back here tonight at 6pm, which is going to be awesome. Hey, we've got a road trip happening. This week, Wednesday night, is your opportunity, church. Church road trip happening to Habakura, which is it's only around about an hour, isn't it, up the road? We are going uh, to Activate Church Habakura. Fergus McIntyre is going to be speaking there. Uh, we've heard great reports about him. He's uh, based in the C3 Church with Pastor Phil Pringle. 
And um, we, if we have enough people, we thought, let's take a bus. So what we need from you is we need you to go to the hub straight after the service and put your name down, your contact details, if you would like to join the road trip. And that way we can uh, decide whether or not we're going to do the bus or two buses or whether or not we'll do uh, some carpools. So we will be in touch. So please put your name down at the hub. If you forget to do it before you go home and think, oh, no, I didn't do it, then just email the office or phone the office and uh, you can give us your details that way. I reckon there probably will be free lollies on the bus. Yeah. And, you know, there'll be a great uh, donation box there for... (laughs) But, yeah, come on, we've got to have lollies on the bus. So that's going to be great, isn't it? We should be back by around about... The the evening is 7.30 to 9, if you do want to... If you want to take your car, 7.30 to 9.00. So I reckon we'll be back at around about half past 10, 11, 1 o'clock, <laughs> McDonald's on the way home. <laughs> no, it shouldn't be too late at night, but a late night is cool, isn't it? Midweek, road trip, church, invading, activate Papakura. It's going to be fantastic. So get on board. Well, Kathan Bowler. He's going to come and sh- yeah, come on, Kathy. He's going to come and share a testimony with us about expressing God's goodness. So, Kate, as Kathy comes, kids, do you want to do you want to evacuate now, or do you want to listen to you want to listen to Kathy, don't you? So, how about you dismiss the kids after you have finished? They 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 want to listen to you. That's cool. Eh? Hi guys. Um. Yeah, well, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went with Jeremy Sargent and the team to the night markets. And, um, yeah, I don't know if you guys know, but he does that when we can. (laughs) When we get, like, enough people to go, he'll organise it. And we have a stand at the Kmart night markets on Saturdays. And we have free healings and spiritual encounters (laughs) and readings. And we're next to the person with that crystal ball and stuff. It's pretty cool. (laughs) But, um, yeah. Like, people walk past and they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, then, um, so, yeah, I was just going to talk about how we get, like, I'm encouraging everybody to just, like, come along to that because it's so good. Like, we just wait and just in our little chairs and gazebo and people just come and walk up to us and go, like, hey, uh, what's this? And we're like, oh, well, if you come over here, I can tell you a little story. <laughs> and I go and, like, you get to pray for people, like, when I went for the first time, we had like uh, about 20 people come through in that one night. And it was like, I got a whole family, like me and Jeremy prayed for this whole family who like hadn't been going to church in ages. They were just wondering if we were Christians or not, <laughs> doing this thing. And then we got to totally pray for all of them and then like talk to them about God. And they were, like, they were motivated to go back to church. And like Jeremy um, talked to this one um, Muslim guy and the guy was so amazed and he, want, he came to church the next day and, <laughs> like, and it's like so cool how we can just go and pray for all these random people like me, um, me and Jeremy had the um, honour of playing to this Māori guy and we're like, we saw him as a chieftain like, and he was like going to be a huge leader and we got to prophesy over him like, just because just he like, walked past and we're like, hey do you want to have this card 
pack. We got this card pack and it's um, your identity cards. <laughs> and we've wrote like characteristics and then we, we shuffle them, they pick them out and we prophesy it over them. So yeah, the guy got leadership, man, man, like we could see this guy like as a leader, man. It's so cool. So yeah, I know that Jeremy's taking the team um, this weekend on Saturday. So if you guys are keen, please talk to him because it's so cool where we can just pray for all these people. They come like we don't have to do anything. They come to us. Yeah. So I just like to say, yeah, guys, people are open to prayer and we don't know. Like we just have to be open and they come to us with open arms easy as yeah. um, any kids who would like to pray with me anybody Johnny Dear God, I pray that we thank you that all these people can be here and we thank you for all the blessing you are giving us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, God, I just thank you, Lord, that you have love and we just we have the opportunity to go and share it to people. And I pray, Lord, that you just challenge all of us to go and share your love and just pray for people and just like, whatever. If you see someone, you don't have to go and tell them to get up out of the wheelchair and suddenly walk in public but just even just complimenting them they can share the love of Jesus Lord that pray Lord that we'll just feel your love and the need to share it to everybody Lord in Jesus name Amen Thank you. Awesome you go and have a fantastic time kids the intermediates going that way too okay so, dynamite's going that way. Three and four-year-olds. Bless you, amazing kids and teachers. Well, let's not let the life exit the building as the kids go out. <laughs> we can be filled with life too, can't we? <laughs> may not do cartwheels, but <laughs> no, I'm not going to. <laughs> but we're going to continue in our worship this morning, and let's give Him all of our life, <laughs> cartwheels and all. Let's give Him our all. It's a privilege to be able to come and worship Him together, isn't it? So let's stand and worship. still ourselves once you close your eyes just allow some room for the Holy Spirit to speak to us this morning what would you have us do Lord where would you have us go
Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would highlight those people around us that they need to know your love, Lord. Give us the courage to stand up and pray for those who are sick, Lord. Yes. That they wouldn't be healed by our words, Lord, but your Holy Spirit would partner with us, Lord. Your word says that we can do all things through you, Lord. Let that be the cry of our hearts this morning, Lord, that we would do all things through you, Lord.
I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the
Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that it's freely given. Lord, my prayer this morning for each of us is that there would be a revelation in this place of your incredible grace. Father, I ask that each of us would go with a, when we leave the service, would go with a a bubble in our spirit that's embraced grace. Lord, I ask that it comes by revelation. That it's something that's caught rather than taught. That it's something that you will plant deep in our spirits and perhaps there's just embers there at the moment, but today I'm asking that you would blow on those embers and that a fire would start to burn around the revelation of grace. In Jesus' name, I thank you that wherever we're from, whatever we've done, whoever we are, your arms are wide open, embracing us, accepting us, calling us to relationship with you, that no one's excluded, that all are embraced. you're looking good you're sounding good you doing okay yeah no that's teenage boy thing had a good day doing okay oh great fantastic you are there very good hey why don't you turn your eyes to the screen I think hopefully we had to cast the demons out of the system in the first service that would work here we go very good Is anybody there? I don't want to hear anything more about it. I'm sorry to disturb you. You caught him. But I had my eye on this man. Thank God. I'm very angry with you, Jean Valjean. What happened to your eye, Monseigneur? Didn't he tell you he was our guest last night? Oh, yes. After we searched his knapsack and found all this silver, he claimed (laughs) that you gave it to him. Yes? Of course I gave him the silverware. But why didn't you take the candlesticks? That was very foolish. Madame Gillot, fetch the silver candlesticks. They're worth at least 2,000 francs. Why did you leave them? Hurry! Monsieur Valjean has to get going. He's lost a lot of time. Did you forget to take them? Are you saying he told us the truth? Of course. Thank you for bringing him back. I'm very relieved. Release him! You're really letting me go? Didn't you understand the bishop? 
Madam Gillo, offer these men some wine. They must be thirsty. Thank you. And don't forget. Don't ever forget. You've promised to become a new man. Promise? Why are you doing this? Jean Valjean, my brother, you no longer belong to evil. With this silver, I've bought your soul. I've ransomed you from fear and hatred. And now I give you back to God. In light of that video, if you've got your Bibles, I hope you have, why don't you click or turn to Ephesians chapter 2. While you're clicking and looking, i just um, highlight this to you. This is Community Link's annual report they've put out this week. They're in the foyer. I encourage you to grab one, have a look. They're doing some fantastic stuff in our community. And um, this is part of what our missions giving goes to. So make sure you get one, have a look, be encouraged. And don't forget to get your missions card in. Ephesians chapter 2, reading from verse 1. You found it? Great. Has everyone else found it? It's going to be hard work, isn't it? Have you found it? Thank you. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by grace when you believed. And you can't take any credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us to do long ago. Now you may remember a couple of weeks ago I spoke from the same passage of Scripture, but I spoke from verse 2 and I asked you a... I thought it was a good question. I asked you if you were an accomplice of the devil, an accomplice of Satan, because it asks us that question. It says if we don't obey God then we are actually being driven, we are being uh, st steered by the devil, which would make us an accomplice of the devil. And I actually quite enjoyed preaching that message because most of you just sat there going, 
too scared to look right, left or right because just in case the person beside you was the accomplice of the devil or worse still, they were looking at you thinking it was you. I enjoyed that because I was watching. <laughs> and um, I, I enjoyed that. But, you know, sometimes people say things like, can you preach us meat? Well, that's a meat question. That's a good question, that. Makes you feel a bit uncomfortable. You've got to look inside yourself. The problem is normally the same people that say, can you preach meat are the very ones that don't want to chew. Because when you chew meat, you've got to chew. And sometimes it can be a tough bit, and you chew and you chew and you chew. And if you don't chew properly, you'll gag on it. And, and you know, that's, that's the way it goes. But the good questions to ask, that passage is an amazing passage. The book of Ephesians is an incredible book. Our theme this year, goodness, is uh, a great theme. And what I love about the theme goodness is that it's actually all about transformation. It's all about personal transformation, which then, when that happens, it leaks out of us into whatever sphere we're in, whatever environment we're in, and personal transformation becomes community transformation. And it leaks and it leaks as we go. That's why God put the church in the community. He didn't pull it out. If he wanted you out, you could have said, Jesus, I believe you and power. You could have been in heaven. But he said, fantastic. I'm going to stick you in the community to be a light to the world. Salt. That's why we're here. So that we leak out goodness. That's good. And the book of Ephesians is all about goodness. So I love about it. It encourages us in who we are. But then it encourages us in who we can be and who Christ has called us to be, not only does it encourage us in that direction, it actually gives us some really clear instructions on how to live in that direction, which I really like. This morning I want to carry on from that same passage, and I'm going to hone in on grace. I think that's an amazing video clip. It helps express grace, what grace is, and we'll come back there shortly. What I'd like to do, hopefully this will all be, look at that, it works, is I want to focus on verses 8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. We're going to look at three words primarily. We're going to look at the word saved. We're going to look at the word grace, and we're going to look at the word believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Now, there's three words there that we're going to look at. The first is sozo. Sozo is the word saved. Can you say that? Sozo. Sozo. The second word we're going to look at is the word for believed. And that is the word pistis. Can you say that? I can't believe you said that in church. <laughs> say it again. <laughs> you don't want it now, do you? <laughs> say it with a bit of conviction. Pistis. <laughs> I said to Jan, I'm going to make everyone say it. She said, don't do that. I said, I'm going to. It's just, it's just my boy brain. And the third word is grace, which is the word charis. 
Charis. These are three Greek words. This is in the, 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 the Greek word, the original word. But the first one we're going to look at is the word sozo. Sozo, if you go back to verse 5 of chapter 2, if you're reading there, it literally means to bring safely. To bring safely through. The word is, is uh, translated as saved, but it means to bring safely through. But it also means heal or healed, make well, delivered or made whole. It is a big word, even though it's a small word. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says, For God chose to save, to sozo us, through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. In other words, he chose to bring us through safely, not to pour out his anger on us. He chose to heal us, not to pour his anger out on us. He chose to deliver us, to make us whole, not to pour his anger out on us. Powerful verse. Matthew 1.21 says, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save, he will sozo his people from their sins. He will deliver, he will bring people safely through from their sins. He will make them whole from their sins. Mark 5.23, speaking of Jarius, his daughter died, saying, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. He said, please come and lay your hands on her, heal, sozo her, so she can live. As disciples of Christ, you and I are sozoed and we are being sozoed. We are saved and we are being saved. It is a state and it is also a journey. I was thinking about it. If you have an accident and the Westpac helicopter comes to get you and they the, the uh, paramedics or, or who they are, the doctors, they, they come down, they strap you into the basket thing and they winch you up. You have been saved. And then as it takes you to the hospital, you are being saved. Another illustration is you're on a cruise ship in the Mediterranean and it hits some rocks and sinks. Could be fictitious, but it's not. And it sinks and you jump into the life raft, and you are saved. Yet, you must stay in the life raft. You are being saved. It's much the same in our lives. We, we come to Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. So you're saved, yet you are being saved. It is a state, yet it's a journey. You get it? Great. It's a powerful word. Very, very powerful word. The second word we want to quickly look at there is the word believed. God saved you by grace when you believed. Pistis. Belief, trust, faith. What I like about this word, it has an implication that, act, that action follows. It's not a static thing. It's not I believed and it ended. It's I believed, I have faith, I have trust, and it's got movement to it. Something's going to flow out of it and action's going to come out of it. It's a good word. It's a powerful word again. Philippians 1.27 says, Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, the pistis, the faith 
which is the good news. Romans 9.30 says, what does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God, and it was by faith that this took place. Incredible. Perhaps these are two of my favorite verses, John. And uh, from the Amplified Translation of the Bible, they are really, really expressive. John 3.16. Most of us know this verse. I made the babies cry. Oh, sorry, Mark. My bad. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten, unique son. So that whoever believes in, that is, trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, that's come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. It's expressive. It unpacks the word. John eleven twenty five from the Amplified says, Jesus said to her, I am myself the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, that's adheres to, trusts in, and relies on me, although he may die, will live. Amazing. Amazing. Adheres to, trusts in, relies on, clings to. That's what faith is. So it holds on to truth. Holds on to God. What I want you to notice, though, if you go to verse 9 there, it says, salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. The good things in a lot of translations is translated works. It's not a reward for the works you've done. That's interesting. That it doesn't matter how many good works we do, that's not going to buy us being rescued, being brought through, being delivered by God. It's not about good words, it's about works, it's about belief. And when we believe in God, His grace is activated in our lives. Good works, things. that's really interesting in the context that our, uh, our theme is goodness, isn't it? Because you could say, well, our theme surely is about doing good works. But our theme is goodness with a capital G, not a small g. It's about the goodness of God. Expressing the goodness of God. I don't want you to feel under any pressure that you've got to run around just doing good things. You can drive yourself nutty doing good things and actually achieve nothing. It's about expressing the goodness of God in our society. And I think that is essential to understand. Capital G is quite different. A third word I want to have a look at, and I want to focus on this one a little bit more, is the word grace. Charis. God saved you. By his grace, when you believed. God saved you by his grace when you believed. So he saved you, he brought you through, he healed you, he delivered you, he made you whole by this thing called grace when you put your faith, when you put your trust in him. Grace is literally a state of kindness and favor towards someone. It's often with a focus on the benefit given to the object. That's what grace means. 2 Thessalonians 1.12 says this, Then the name of the Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. 
This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 3.24 says, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, that's grace there, undeserved grace, declares that you are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past times. For he was looking ahead and included them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Grace is activated by belief. There's um, many, many stories that try to explain grace or try to paint a picture of grace, and here's a couple that I, I quite think are quite helpful. So for a moment, imagine that you have a six-year-old child, a son, and you wake up one morning to discover the absolute tragic news that your six-year-old son has been murdered. The authorities do their investigation and after some time, they catch the criminal. They catch him and at that point, there's a choice for you to make. See, if you used every means in your power to kill the murderer for his crime, which you could choose to do, that would be called vengeance. Or you could allow the criminal to go through the channels and the authorities and go through the court case and put his guilty plea in and then the jury to make their decision and come out the other end with whatever punishment they thought was just for him. That would be called justice. Or you could plead for the pardon of the murderer. You could forgive him completely. Then you could invite him into your home and you could adopt him as your son. That is grace. There's an old Indian man and he, in his later years, was led to the Lord by a missionary. And he had some of his friends come around him and they asked why the change in his life, what it looked like. And he said to them, the grace of God. And they asked him to explain. And he reached down on the ground and he, he pulled a worm out of the ground and he hold it, held it in the palm of his hand. And then with his other hand, he took some leaves and some brush and he set the worm on the top. He lit a match and he lit it, the brush and the leaves, and they smoldered away. And then all of a sudden they burst into flames. And the flames slowly got closer and closer to the center of the pile where the worm was. And just as the flames were getting close to the worm, he put his hand in and pulled the worm out and held it gently in his hand. And he just looked at them and he said, Me? Worm. It's a picture of grace. A picture of what grace is. 
Here's some definitions of grace. This is my favorite one. God's unmerited favor. I love that. God's unmerited favor. A friend of mine says that grace is God's empowering presence to enable us to be all and do all that he's called. Donald Barnhouse wrote this. He said it. Love that goes upward is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. Love that stoops down is grace. It's nice. It's a nice picture. Literally, grace is to extend favor or kindness to one who doesn't deserve it and can never earn it. One writer said that grace has a tendency to help us focus on God and his ways. It takes our eyes off other problems, whether they're our problems or someone else's. New things begin to open up to you that maybe you've never seen before. And that's the wonderful thing about grace. Grace is a very, very powerful thing. It is a very beautiful thing. It is something that we need to absolutely hold on to passionately. In the New Testament, the word grace is used 156 times in the context of a special redemptive sense. In other words, God's favor on behalf of sinners. That's you and me. The New Testament emphasizes that human salvation is a result of heaven's grace. And God's grace is offered to the entire human family. That doesn't mean everyone will accept it. But his grace is offered to the entire human family. Titus 2.11 tells us this. It says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. Grace is conditional. We need to receive it. Calvinists would wrongly say, Calvinism is a branch, an extreme branch of theology, would, would say that God's grace is for everyone, whether you choose to receive it or not. At the end of the day, you just do what you want, live how you want, God will nab you. If he chose you, his grace will extend to you. End of story. It's not right. God, the scripture is quite clear that God's grace is activated when we believe. So it is conditional. And it's not earned. I think if we get a revelation of God's grace, if we get a revelation of the gift that he's given us, it just lights something in your spirit. It lights something in your heart. You cannot have a revelation of God and be left, of God's grace for you and be left passively sitting there. In fact, I think if we're passive, if we're lethargic, if we're perhaps dead in our faith, it's because the revelation of grace has either never been there or we've let go of it at some point and we need to apprehend it again. If you haven't got that spark in your spirit, if you haven't got that, oh God, you are so good because I just don't deserve this. If you haven't got that in your spirit, I suggest even now you say, Lord, please reveal that to me again. Bring that alive in my heart because I've lost something of the wonder of grace. And what I've discovered is that when I lose the wonder of grace, I move into this camp of entitlement, which says I deserve everything because I deserve it, because I'm me, because my name is Sheridan. That means I'm allowed to have that, whatever that is. As soon as we're in this camp of entitlement, we're in really dangerous ground where this camp of grace is like, God, I don't deserve anything. In fact, I just 
thank you that by your grace, your kindness, your mercy, that you've reached down and made it possible for me to have a relationship with you. And then you've lifted me up. And now you ask me to do all sorts of things. It's not that I'm standing here going, oh God, I'm so pitiful that you can't. No, no. I understand exactly who I am and now I can thrive in it from the basis of grace that God has lifted me up. He set me free and he said, you go for your life, son. Change the world. Go for it. Well, he said that to every one of us. But we need that revelation of grace that says, you know, I'm not worthy of this for the good things I have or haven't done. But grace has been activated in my life because I believed. Grace has been activated in your life because you believed. If God was waiting for us to get in the right place to deserve his grace, he'd be waiting a long, long time. Because I can tell you with absolute assurance there's not one of us in this room who has earned it. Not one of us. Now some of you might think you're pretty good, but not that good. Sorry, pop your bubble. You're not that good. None of us have earned it. It's grace, activated by belief. But here's the thing. We can ignore grace. You can ignore it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, As God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness as grace, and then ignore it. Why would Paul have written that? I'll tell you why. Because they were ignoring it. He said, come on, guys. Girls, you've accepted the gift. Now don't ignore it. It's not like a, a one-time show, you know. You just go, thank you, click the ticket and move on. No, 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 this is something that we carry. Don't ignore it. We can stop relying on God's grace. And if we stop relying on his grace, we go straight back to the good things that we can do. Acts 13.43 says, Many Jews and devout converts of, to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue on the grace of God. Why did he urge them to continue to, sorry, to, continue to rely on the grace of God? Why did he continue to urge them to rely on the grace of God? Because they had stopped. Or they had a tendency to stop, just like you and me. If we can put grace on, does that mean we can take it off? Galatians 3.26, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united in Christ and baptism have put on Christ like new clothes. Well, if I can put Christ on like I can put this shirt on, I can take this shirt off. No, I'm not. Don't panic. But I can, can I? If I can put it on, I can take it off. Galatians 5 and verse 4 says, For if you are trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, good things, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. So we can take it off. You can fall away from God's grace. If you're once saved, always saved, I just popped your bubble. Sorry. It's not what the Bible says. Now, I believe absolutely passionately that God will hold me longer than I will ever hold him. Things get tough. I can turn my back on him. He's not turning his back on me. 
But at some point, if I really, really don't want to have anything to do with him, he will let go. He will assign me, consign me to my choice. That's what free choice is about. I don't live in fear of that. I live understanding that if I really, 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 really want that, it can become a reality. Billy Graham, uh, the famous evangelist, he was in a, a little southern town in America and he got pulled over by a police officer for speeding. And the police officer said to him, I'm sorry, sir, you're going to have to go to court for this. So in the due date, when it, was, um, when it came up, Billy Graham fronts up in court and the officer says to him, how do you, uh, sorry, the judge says to him, how do you plead? And he says, well, I'm guilty. It was good. He told the truth. I'm guilty. I probably would have tried to wrangle my way out of it. But anyway, he said, I'm guilty. And the, the judge said to him, okay, you're going to have to pay a fine. You, pay, you have to pay $1 for every mile an hour you're over the speed limit. You need to pay a $10 fine. Billy Graham said, okay. And as he said that, just as he said that, the judge recognized who he was. He was a famous evangelist. You've violated the law, he said. The fine must be paid, but I'm going to pay it for you. He took a $10 bill from his own wallet. He attached it to the ticket and then took Billy Graham out and bought him a steak dinner. That, said Billy Graham, is how God treats repentant sinners. That is a picture of grace. I spent quite a time thinking as I was preparing for today about grace and grace and my view on grace and where I stand with grace. And I, I came to the um, conviction that grace really is an underlying value for me. I think a lot of what I do comes out of grace, but don't misinterpret what I said. I didn't just say that I get it right every time. But it is a strong value of me, of mine. I've experienced in life and um, well, let me first say that the opposite to grace is legalism. To understand that. And in my lifetime, I've experienced and I've observed what legalism looks like and the damage that it does. And so maybe more than most, I tend to walk a fine line of not wanting to err toward legalism at all. It's kind of like I can smell it a million miles away. And I see it and I react to it. And, and in my life, in my dealings, I, I try not to go there to the best I can. And what that means is, it means I see the potential. I see the potential in you. I see the potential in what God's asked us to do. I see the potential of the mission. I, 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 I grapple with the mission that God's given us, the vision that God's given us, the, the things that he wants us to sow into. I see all of that and I apply my life to it. I haven't got a plan B. This is it. I'm applying myself to it. But what I won't do is tell you what to do. Because that's where, very quickly, it can turn from grace to legalism. Now, I can exhort you. I can encourage you. I can, I can go, please, throw yourself into the plans and purposes of God. Please give yourself to Him wholeheartedly. Take hold of this incredible gift of grace that he's given us, and in return, let that action be that you just throw yourself into a life with God. 
outwork those things here. I can ask you, I can, I can encourage you to do that, but the second I step over here and go, that means you've got to do this, that, and the other thing. I've crossed the boundary. I don't think we're operating in grace anymore. I think we've worked, walked into legalism. The other thing, of course, is if I tell you to do something, you might do it until someone else tells you to do something different. Then you'll do that. It's got to come out of a revelation in our heart, a conviction in our hearts and our, that we carry. That's what keeps us walking in the plans and the purposes of God, not because someone told us to. But I'm absolutely convinced that you and God steer your life. Not me. It's not my job. My job is to, according to chapter 4, to help encourage and equip you to a place of maturity in the faith, which would understand that you and God are driving your life, not someone telling you what to do. It's this wrestle of grace, what grace looks like. But the mission is great. Yes, it is. The purposes of God are great. Yes, they are. Do you want to take everyone with you on the journey? Yes, I do. Can I encourage you to come on the journey? Yes, I can. But no, I can't tell you. You must. You see the difference between grace and between legalism? I think we all, to some extent, walk that line. God doesn't tell you. When I'm spending time with God, when I'm in His presence, I'm having a conversation with the Holy Spirit I am trying to think of the occasion where he said to me, Sheridan, you must do this. I can't think of it. He would say, have you considered this? Why don't you do that? I remember once he said strongly to me, Sheridan, you're confused between honor and, um, honor and obedience. Wow, that wasn't telling me what to do, but it revealed what I needed to do. And God's a gracious God, we represent a gracious God. I think we need to resist. See, if I, if I say to my kids, guys, I've just opened a bank account for you. It's got a million bucks in it. They'd be quite pleased. If I said that, it's got a million bucks in it because I foresee in the future you're going to need that to help get where you're going. If I then watch them accessing that bank account and using it, I'm going to be really pleased. But if I see them abusing it, I'm not going to be so pleased. But I want them to access it, just like God wants us to access grace. But he doesn't want us to abuse grace. I think we live in a, in a dangerous time in history where grace is readily abused. In fact, I think one of the the biggest dangers we, we have in our society is that we just plug into anyone, you know? Plug, plug. Oh, great sermon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Just live any way you want. Yeah, live any way you want. Do whatever you want. God's grace will cover it all. Fantastic. Go home, go on the in internet at home, click on the computer, a podcast or whatever. Yeah, God's grace. You just do whatever you want. He'll cover it. See, the Bible doesn't say that. Just because we hear voices saying it doesn't mean God's saying it. And part of the danger of the world that we live in is we can listen to so many voices from so many different angles. Some of them just aren't true. Grace is very robust. Very. But I can abuse it. And I believe, you see, the thing is, as a, I can receive the gift from God, 
As soon as he's given it to me, it's, it's mine. It's his grace he's given to me. But then if I abuse it, that's not a reflection on the giver. That's a reflection on me. But unfortunately, it can tarnish the reputation of the giver. And so I think we walk with the responsibility to treat grace well and not to abuse it. I think this hyper-grace grace thing that you hear uh, preached around the, the place over recent years is incredibly dangerous, and it's not biblical. Yet grace will extend further than you and I ever need it to. There's this tension all the way. Let's not abuse it. Again, definitions of grace. God's unmerited favor, God's empowering presence to enable us to be all that God has called us to be. Our lifestyle as disciples should honor God and his grace. Wherever, whenever, be like Jesus. That's honoring grace. That is honoring grace. I think we need to live as one to have received grace. I think that looks differently than living as though we haven't received grace. Go and read the passage again. Go back to verse 2, verse 1 of the passage. It looks different. Paul said, we all used to live like that, but now we've encountered the grace of God. Actually, the outworking of that should look a little different. doesn't mean perfect. It means I'm doing my best. I think we need to live as one who's received grace. I think we need to speak as one who's received grace. We need to forgive as one who's received grace. We need to ask forgiveness as one who's received grace. We need to give as one who has received grace. We need to believe as one who's received grace. We need to reach out as one who's received grace. We need to trust as one who's received grace. And we need to love as one who has received grace. Matthew 18 or 21, can't remember which it is, talks about the, the story. You know, the king let his servant off a huge debt, forgave him. And then that servant went and persecuted someone who just owed them a few dollars. The context of grace of the king and the servant I get a real sense my mind is just stuck to forgive as ones who've received grace. I think there's people here this morning and you're holding on to stuff and you need to forgive as ones who have received grace. You've got to let go of the stuff. Forgiveness will wreck you. It's not going to affect the other person. It'll wreck you. And we need to forgive as ones who've received grace race the king forgave an enormous debt and then that same servant went and persecuted his servant person who owed him money for just a few dollars yet many of us go through life with a chip on our shoulder of unforgiveness and really at the end of the day it's about the fact that we haven't had a revelation of grace ourselves. Grace is the most amazing thing. God saved you by his grace when you believed. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning, if the muses would like to come, thanks. 
wonder if there's anyone here this morning and you've never actually made a definitive line in the sand where you've said, okay, God, I believe in you. I trust in you. I believe that you sent Jesus Christ to come to die on a cross and somehow mystically that paid the price for my, my wrongdoing so that now I can have relationship with God. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning and you haven't definitively said, I believe that. Because when we say, I believe that, it's at that point of time we've been saved, we've been delivered, we've been made whole, we've been brought through, saved and been saved by His incredible grace. We access His grace. It's activated by belief. I wonder this morning if you're here and you've never done that or perhaps you've been close to God at some point and you've walked back for whatever reason and just gone, well, it's got too hard or whatever. Can I encourage you that today is an environment and an opportunity for you to step forward again and to take hold of the grace of God by a confession of your belief? Let's go again. Let's journey with God. Let's journey with your Creator. Let's journey with the one who has designed us to do life with Him. Can I ask you to bow your heads just for a moment? Give the people on your left and right a little privacy. I'm going to ask you to hold up your hand in a minute minute so I can see it, but you're not really holding it up so I can see it as you're holding it up you're responding to God this morning. And I'm going to ask you to lift your hand if you're saying to God, this morning I'm putting up my hand and I'm saying, this is a, a sign, this is a signal that I believe and that I wish to activate your grace. This is a sign that I'm stepping forward and I believe and I want to activate your grace today. If you're here this morning and you need to do that, your heart's probably pounding out of your chest right now. That's often how the Holy Spirit talks to us. Can I encourage you to be bold? take a step of courage and to lift your hand and embrace the grace of God if that's you this morning thank you I see your hand that is awesome thank you I see your hand that's fantastic I've seen two people lift their hand is there anyone else this morning you're responding to God let's make sure I see your hand I want to acknowledge you couple more seconds anybody else I've seen two hands I shouldn't say hands I've seen two people brilliant well the Bible tells me when one person gets their life right with God the angels celebrate that's what it says. My interpretation of that is heaven throws a party. Heaven is throwing a party right now because two people have just responded to God. And I think it'd be great if we could stand up and we could give God the biggest cheer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise I'm going to ask Owen to sing the song Covered again in just a moment. And when he does, can I encourage us to take the opportunity to perhaps realign ourselves? 
with God. Take a moment to stand in His presence and see where we are on that um, progression of grace and entitlement. Ask yourself, is that, well, you don't even need to ask, you know. Have I got that excitement? Have I got that joy? Have I got that bubble of enthusiasm, that, that ache to serve God that comes from a revelation of grace or am I ticking all the boxes which comes from legalism? I had some feedback and it was interesting. Someone was talking about the, the vision of us as a church, you know, the vision, the, the campus that will develop one day. It came back to me that this is God's vision for the church is to develop a campus. Can I say to you today that that's not God's vision for the church? God's vision for the church is to see you whole. God's vision for the church is to see you healed, to see you delivered, to see you set free, and those who don't yet know Christ in our city, in the nation, and the nations. That is God's vision for the church, that people would embrace His grace. Campuses and different things are tools God puts in your hand to help you do the job He's asked you to do. If whatever God asks us to do needs 100 buildings, He'll give us 100 buildings. Don't you worry about that. His vision is people. His mission is people. His purpose is people. The vision, mission, and purpose of the church is people. It's you and those who don't yet know Christ. And a start of us outworking that and outwalking that is to embrace the grace of God that we did not work for, nor did we earn, but He has given so freely because we chose to believe. As Owen sings this song, why don't you take the, the time, stand in the presence of God and just question your own heart, question your own motives. It's not something to do publicly this morning, it's something to do privately. Question your motives, your heart. Am I living in the entitlement box or have I got a firm hold of grace this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, called it finished. Grace, wonderful grace. Grace, wonderful grace At the cross, all of my sin is covered
thank you for your grace. We thank you for your unmerited favour upon us. Help us to receive it and help us to walk in it each and every day. Thank you, God. God, I declare your blessing upon your church today. Thank you that you are with us every single moment, that you never, ever leave us. Amen. Great word, huh? We need reminding of that, don't we? Receive his grace and walk in it. Thank you, God. Well, a reminder for us to be purposed in our giving. We do have our giving stations to the left of the doors when we exit the building. So let's be purposed with our giving, church. Thank you for your giving. Tonight we've got 6pm service. Luke Ferber is going to be speaking, so that's going to be fantastic. And the young adults are going to be back. So there's going to be... A lot of life in the house tonight. It's going to be good. So if you can come out tonight at 6pm. Also, please don't forget, road trip is this coming Wednesday. So put your name down at the hub or give us an email. Let us know by tomorrow, please. That would be great. And we'll organise whether or not we're going to do the bus. And uh, that's going to be fun. It's going to be a great evening. Have an amazing day, an amazing week. God bless you.